Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to the Five Star Podcast, a podcast from two guys who are not selling TWA to Pan Am, no matter what. And sometimes we watch movies. I'm Ryan Hurley, and I'm here with my esteemed co-host. Sam Wolfcool is present, willing and able. The way of the future. The way of the future. (laughs) The way of the future. Better courtroom scene. Better scene right there where they're like going back and forth. Succession or Aviator. Ooh, that's (laughs) tough. Succession is so good, those scenes. When, When Greg goes up there and he's... Uh, just babbling, and he's like, I, I, I just, I wish to uh, answer in the affirmative. <laughs> I, I like that. when it's Tom, and the whole time Tom's up there, they kept going to all the characters being like, he's getting fucked. He's getting yeah. fucked. Yeah. And, then, and then he gets on the boat, and Kieran Culkin goes, you shit in your own, no, you, you farted in your own shit up there, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. When they ask him if he knows Greg, too, and he's just like, nope, nope, they're even even like the senator is like, what? <laughs> you don't know your own executive assistant? We have 2,500 emails between the two of you. <laughs> between, between the hours of 7 and 9 o'clock on Thanksgiving, you emailed Gregory Hirsch 43 times <laughs> with an email with no body and just the subject, you can't make, make a tomlet without breaking a few grams. <laughs> Uh, I can't wait. Nominated for a bunch of Emmys. Good for succession. I'm I'm happy. I'm happy to see it. Um, we could go all day on succession mm-hmm. here, but we're going to go into the Oscars a little bit later today. It is the 2005 ceremony for the year 2004 in movies. Um, lots of good movies in this bunch, so we're pretty excited to talk about it. But first, what have you been watching, Wolf? So I've been watching a lot lately, naturally. And I think the two I'm going to highlight is uh, I watched Easy A with Emma Stone, like Ali Mashaka, Cam Gigandet, the whole crew. Uh, it's a fantastic movie, a really good ode to the 1980s. And it inspired me last night to watch Can't Buy Me Love. Ooh. Uh, kind of a, you know, I, I really liked it, but it's kind of an unoriginal little movie. Patrick Dempsey's unbelievable in that movie with this, like, this whole like feng shui and Amanda Peterson was really good. She was only 15, which I feel like whenever you have someone that young in one of those parks, it uh, leads to pretty bad things for that person. And uh, she, you know, she found drugs and she's not with us anymore. But uh, it was a really good performance from her. They had really great chemistry. I don't know if you've seen that one. I haven't, but that's always a great, uh, that's always just makes a movie so much better is to just sit there and be like, Everybody's having fun watching mm-hmm. this, aren't they? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I watched uh, significantly less movies, I think, over this over this uh, week period, just trying to stick to the Oscars. Um, I watched The Pacifier. <laughs> I'm sorry. Is not great. <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, I was a little bit curious because I was like, maybe this is better than. Um, you know, maybe this is better than uh, My Spy with, with Dave Bautista because that came out recently. I just watched it on a whim. And uh, I can come back and report to you that that is not the case. It is oh. <laughs> very good. <laughs> uh, Spider-Man meme, 
uh, my spy game plan, the pacifier. Exactly, and the tooth fairy. Oh, which uh, <laughs> true. <laughs> which was was brought up while we were watching it with one of my friends, and uh, I, uh, I I was like, you know, I totally forgot about that movie, but that is a hundred percent correct. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you watched that with friends. Had a nice time. Yeah, it at least uh, it it at least uh, shook off some of the some of the badness of having to watch that that movie. <laughs> um, what do you have for us this week as far as a quick question, Wolf? So we both have over a thousand movies logged on Letterboxd, and I know you have like a couple hundred. Over, you have like about a hundred, hundred fifty, maybe two hundred over a thousand. But this question still works. So name five movies or like. Five like entire movie franchises you want to watch before two thousand. So there's, you know, it's crazy, and I think you and I will both uh, both say this. Like we've watched a thousand movies, and uh, there's still just so much that we haven't haven't seen. Um, and there's like you know there's a lot of people that I want to go back and uh, fill in and like watch their movies. So like um, I really enjoy like Noah Baumbach and I haven't seen um, like Greenberg and some of his movies, you know, in the late nineties and early two thousands. So I want to go back and see that. Um, I haven't seen enough like Westerns and things like that. So I wanted to go. Oh, another one I want to see is high noon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never seen that one. Um, Jim Jarmusch, I'm a I'm a big fan of. Um, and actually, we'll mention him today. But I want to see some of his films that I've never seen before, like uh, Ghost Dog and uh, Broken Flowers. Uh, but there's just so many. Oh, and then I also want to keep filling in noir mm-hmm. and watch like The Maltese Falcon. And I have never seen Touch of Evil all the way through. I think I've seen maybe mm-hmm. like an hour of it. So... Those are all ones that are definitely going to be on my list. <laughs> we watched Touch of Evil in my fil- in the one film class I took in college, and it was kind of one of those things where like I love watching movies, but the moment like I'm forced to give up studying for my exam to go watch a movie, it was like mm-hmm. oh my god. But uh, we watched Touch of Evil, and it opens with this like sick tracking shot of Mexico yeah. City. It's so good. That shot is really, really cool. I, re- I remember that when I started the movie. And uh, I- ironically, I think I talked about the player last week, but they talk about that movie in the, in the beginning of that too. And it opens with like a tracking shot that's pretty similar. And mm. it's like supposed to kind of remind you of it. But that shot's great because it apparently sets up the whole movie. Yeah. Uh, which I would love to see. <laughs> that, movie's, <laughs> that movie's famous for uh, being like the... Uh... Orson Welles never got his way movie. Yeah, that <laughs> that and um, the Magnificent Ambersons. Yes. Oh, that that even more than Touch of Evil. What am I saying? <laughs> Both are good choices, though. I I do want to watch just more Orson Welles in general too. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. What, what are you trying to fill in in the next thousand? So something I learned today is Amazon Prime has a lot of like old movies that were nominated for Best Picture. So, mm-hmm. like, today I watched Love Affair, which was... Movies were just so much more optimistic in the 30s. Uh, <laughs> so, I'm just going to, like, fill in those blanks, a, a lot, like, in my mornings when I watch movies. But the movies I have listed are kind of chalk, 
because I don't watch a lot of movies when I was younger, so I'm kind of like working from behind. So I want to see all three Godfathers. I I, I own them, mm. but like there's no like desire to really watch them yet. They're just like they sit there, and I'm like I gotta find the time. And then I've never seen Titanic, which uh, okay is pretty pretty ridiculous. And then Phantom Thread was a movie. I'll never forget this. I, I thought I had seen every single movie nominated for Best Picture in 2017. And I was like, no chance they nominate Phantom Thread. And uh, they nominated Phantom Thread. And I missed it. <laughs> and I'm mad about it. And I it, it's never streaming. So I'll probably have to Netflix DVD it. Uh, and then I've seen Evil Dead. I famously saw Evil Dead the day the NBA shut down due to coronavirus. Oh I want to watch Evil Dead 2, which I've heard is better. And uh, then I want to watch the other one, Army, the third one, Army of Darkness. I'm not too interested in the remakes, just like the original three. I think there's the original three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I'm not really interested in like the old Planet of the Apes movies. Like I've seen the very first one. But I want to finish uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes and War of the Planet of the Apes. I feel like uh, I loved Rise of the Planet of the Apes. I thought it was really good. I've like learned recently that I, I like really like big franchise blockbuster movies when I was all set on being like, I like like Oscar movies. Like I remember <laughs> my girlfriend and I were trying to find a movie and it was like Dark Water, Dark Waters, I think, or like uh, yeah. Richard Jewell, which I noticed I'd have never seen those movies and they're probably very good. But we were like, let's just go see Jumanji next level. And we had a great time. <laughs> I, I uh, unpredictably, I'm I'm the other person. I saw <laughs> I saw Richard Jewell and Juma- er, er, Richard Jewell in Dark Waters, and I didn't see Jumanji. <laughs> <laughs> You've got some great choices in here, though. Uh, the Godfather, the first two are great, and then I the third one is good if you want to be like a completionist, which I am I with do. those movies. I do. I want to nominate. You know, got nominated for Best Picture, so I'm I'm in. You get some Sofia Coppola as an actress, which uh, is not great. Yeah, but that, I was going to say, didn't she get a pretty, uh, pretty wrecked for her performance? She did. Yeah, <laughs> people really drag her through the coals. I won't, I won't do that to her too much. Titanic. That's a crazy one too. That's a long one. I know. It's, My it's... roommate watches it. He starts the movie, so he watches it uh, once a year. When the, when the Titanic sank, on the night the Titanic sank, and he starts it at, like, at the exact time so that when the ship is sinking in the movie, it, is, it was when it would have been sinking in real life. What if he has to pee? Just keeps it running? <laughs> keeps it rolling. He, uh, he drinks a lot of Diet Coke, too, so I don't know how he doesn't go pee. <laughs> I had a finance professor who would uh, drink Diet Coke at nine o'clock in the morning every time we had him. At, like he must just be guzzling Diet Coke all day <laughs> if he's drinking it at nine o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> all these are great choices, though, uh, and we all should go through and watch all these. Um, you know, in our next two thousand, I'm sure there will be a ton of movies that we're not even expecting to like knock us oh, out. Yeah. That have, you know, oh, yeah. are really good too in there. I'm excited. <laughs> well, without further ado, let's get into our best picture uh, discussion for 2005. The movies in no particular order are Million Dollar Baby, which was the eventual winner, um, Ray, 
the biopic about Ray Charles. Uh, oh, side okay. the yeah, just in case you didn't know that Ray was a biopic about Ray Charles. Uh, sideways, the movie about two friends going on a on a weekend in wine country. Um, and then we've got The Aviator, the Howard Hughes biopic, um, and Finding Neverland, the J.M. Barry biopic. Um, well, do you want to get into it? you want to tell the folks what our number five is, Wolf? Our number five was the six-and-a-half-hour biopic on Ray Charles starring Jamie Foxx, Ray. Ray. <laughs> uh you know, I always, I, I always give the benefit of the doubt to these long biopics because I know they have to be long in order to tell the whole story. But Ray was just a very, very, very generic. Uh, at first, it jumped around a lot where, like, I, didn't, I really didn't know where we were for the first, like, 35 minutes. I was like, what part of his life are we at? Like, what story is this? You know, it's a really, it's a, it's a, like a pantheon performance from Jamie Foxx. Like he is incredible in this movie. And I, I like to perform. I like everyone's performance. I guess I shouldn't knock mm-hmm. anyone's performance. Terrence Howard was kind of weird. I wasn't, I wasn't sad to see him go. Terrence Howard <laughs> using his middle name in the credits and being in like two shots and he's out. Uh, I, I don't know if it told the right story about Ray Charles. I like how at the end credits, it was like, this is it because he went through like no more problems in his life, essentially. <laughs> so I, I don't know if this really gives me the right understanding of Ray Charles and his life and his legacy. It kind of seemed like he just lucked into every one of his songs, which I guess is probably like natural for all musicians. But like, I love how Atlantic, I think it was like hated, like didn't think they could work through him. And then like the little dude was like, I got this song called Mess Around. Yeah. (laughs) The guy from Revenge of the Nerds. Who? What's his name? I could, I I didn't know his name in the movie, so I couldn't look him up. Oh, in real life? Yeah. He's Booker in Revenge of the Nerds. His name is Curtis Armstrong. He plays Armet, uh, um, Amit Erdogan. <laughs> I kept looking. Risky business. There it is. Okay. That's why I know him. But, you know, it's, bi- it's a generic biopic that they didn't need to nominate for Best Picture. And I don't even think it's really remembered that well. Yeah. This was shocking to look at on Letterboxd because I think it's sitting at like a three and a half as the average. And I was like, really? Like in, in this day and age uh, with our oversaturation in biopics, people are still giving this one so much love. And I definitely agree with you that this just feels really generic, even compared to the two biopics that it's going up against in this year. And all the performances are good, but... Um, the the material that the most of the actors are given is just not like it's just not interesting stuff to watch them do you know like Kerry Washington mm-hmm. Regina King pretty much any of the women that that like are Ray Charles like flings uh, are like good actresses but they just aren't given good material mm-hmm. and I de- I definitely agree it's a huge problem in this movie to be like a biopic about Ray Charles and have a start star making turn from Jamie Foxx. But then this seems to place a lot of responsibility for Ray Charles's career on the people at Atlantic and less on Ray Charles, which doesn't feel right. And then uh, 
also like bemoaning bemoaning like his career after that even though like he made georgia on my mind <laughs> after that and they show recording it that's one of his biggest hits <laughs> they act like ah this is shit <laughs> he wasn't on heroin who cares yeah yeah and then the heroin stuff he's like kind of you know he's he's moving around he's he's got the shakes a little bit but like his decision making doesn't seem that impaired by it which doesn't feel right uh and as you said before the pacing of this is really weird too like you're flashing back to his childhood and then they spend like they spent like the first hour and 45 minutes of this movie on like the first four years of his career and then go through like two or like a, like 15 years in the last 45 minutes it's really jarring I, I, I agree. I uh, I think one of my other issues with this movie is uh, it's something it's kind of based on something you mentioned where I don't really think they made Ray Charles seem like 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 he definitely got to like this point like on his own like through his own accord but they kind of made it seem like he was like he needed all this help to reach this level of stardom and I feel like a movie about like a blind person should have been a lot more like about his independence as a person. Yeah like it should be it should be almost inspirational to watch this movie as like as you watch like it was not well yeah it's not you're just like oh so this guy just like wanted to be nat king cole and then some white dude gave him a song and and then he became a big star uh despite himself like that doesn't feel like that was true and it's weird that that was the case especially because ray charles was involved with the movie all, like all he basically did this whole movie was like play a lot of music and touch a lot of girls' wrists, and if they were overweight, he was uninterested. Yeah, pretty much. That's the gist of like the first hour, of this two and a half hour movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, pretty much. As as I'm sure everybody can tell, we basically just like Jamie Fox in this movie. So let's just move on quickly from this one. Go into the nominations here, uh, Jamie Fox. Uh, won one of the two Oscars for this movie for Best Actor in a Leading Role. It got six nominations in total. Uh, Jamie won his award over... Wow, I'm calling Jamie Foxx by his first name. That you guys was friends? Me. You guys hang out? Yeah. He's my best friend. He's coming over after this. Can I, can I come? It's, it's me, Jamie Foxx, Jimmy Butler, and Mark Wahlberg. Oh, man. Is, is gray-haired Tom, Tom Cruise from Collateral going to be there? <laughs> you know, he might stop by. He might, might be in the, stop by. He might be in the cab with Jamie Foxx. Exactly. <laughs> Jamie Foxx, though, won over Don Cheadle in Hotel Rwanda, Johnny Depp in Finding Neverland, uh, Leo in The Aviator, and Clint Eastwood in Million Dollar Baby. This is a great category, these five performances. I, uh, I, I really like all these performances, but if I was doing this over, I think... Uh... I think I'd lose Johnny Depp because Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind came out this year. And I really think Jim Carrey gives like a fantastic performance in that movie. And the only one I would really lose is Johnny Depp because I've actually seen all these movies. Props to me. Uh, And I I think all the performances are, are really, really great. Like I think this Leo performance was awesome. Clint Eastwood was like kind of understated, but it was like a really powerful performance. I don't remember Hotel Rwanda, but I remember liking it a lot. And, uh, We'll get to Funny Neverland, but I don't. Th- I don't know if Johnny Depp was the the best part of that movie. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, the the like 
the movie of Finding Neverland is a, is a good movie, but there's like not anything that Johnny Depp does in it that I feel like I haven't seen him do before, except maybe an Irish accent. <laughs> <laughs> <Does he? laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a little little wishy-washy. Uh, but the right choice. Jamie Foxx is great. Apparently he was like blind for 14 hours a day on set while making this movie. And uh, if that doesn't get you an Oscar, I don't know what does. Yeah, he sort of makes you like him in the movie, even despite the, the screenplay, not wanting you to like him, which uh, is a real feat. <laughs> and yeah, he totally deserves this. I'm glad. I'm glad he won. Me too. Also, also, this definitely, this movie definitely gave us uh, his intro in Gold Digger by Kanye West, which when I'm in need. <laughs> I didn't know that was a Ray Charles song. It's. Uh, you're gonna put it on your Spotify now. <laughs> uh, probably mess around. Have you ever seen The Family Guy? Where they make, where they like have mess around in it. It's hilarious. It's one of the Star Wars episodes. Is it? The, is the first one? It's the one where where they're like on the beach at the very end of the movie, and they're trying to figure out how to like infiltrate like the moving like big things that are moving, and they like and family guy like goes to the pan, like pans into one of them, and it's just the guy like they're like jamming the mess around, like do 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 mess around, and then Chris comes in and just kills the guy. <laughs> That song is a jam. I can't. I can't blame him. <laughs> we'll move on from Ray and head to our number four choice here, which is. You want to tell the folks, Wolf? Oh, I have to tell them. It's sure. Finding Neverland. Finding Neverland: The Story of J. M. Barry Writing Peter Pan for the Stage. <laughs> what do you think? Well, I. You know. This was a good movie. It, uh, I wasn't sure what to expect going in, um, but it was nice. As, as we said before, uh, it was nice to see a biopic that takes a little bit different of approach uh, than Ray did. It's not like Cradle to Grave. It's just focusing on J.M. Barry trying to get over his writer's block and, and eventually writing Peter Pan. Um, it has good performances from Depp and Winslet. Uh, and I think really great performances from the children, at least four children. I think they're all doing a really good job. Um, but, but especially the, uh, the main child played by Freddie. Yeah. Freddie Highmore, who, you know, has gone on to do a lot of stuff after this, uh, but he's particularly great in this. Um, some of the fantasy sequences I think are fun. Other mm-hmm. ones are okay. Um, they, they, they really, they really make uh, J.M. Barry's wife look like a villain in this, which uh, I feel sort of bad about. She just wanted her husband to pay attention to her. Um, but I think that this is like a good movie. It seems like, so it was rated PG. It seems like almost an Oscar movie for kids or like a good like mature movie to kind of like teach your kids about death, which I felt like, it did a really good job of handling those things in like a mature way, but a family friendly way. So I like that about it. I really liked Finding Neverland. I, uh, I basically was watching it and I was like kind of whatever on it. And then at the very end of it, when they're like, uh, when they come over and they do the play for Kate Winslet as she's like dying, I was like crying. And I was like, I did not yeah. like, I like, like if, if a movie, have actually cared at all about what was going on during it and i i think uh 
I think that was just like a really nice ending. Like it's a movie that makes you care. Uh, Freddie Heimer was outstanding. Apparently he was so good in this movie that uh, Johnny Depp got him to come do Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, which is <laughs> a movie oh. I hope we never talk about on this podcast. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't think we'll be covering that uh, in the Oscars movies to come. <laughs> um, also, you mentioned uh, uh, Barry's wife, Johnny Depp's wife. I, like, felt really bad for her the whole time. Yeah, same. Like, she just wanted her to spend time with him. And she's also, like, kind of, like, in this weird place where she's, like, so used to her life. And then suddenly Johnny Depp's being like, oh, I'm hanging out with these kids and Kate Winslet. And it, and she's like, I was used to this, like, kind of, like, not, uh, just kind of, like, like privilege that we had and this sort of, like, way of living our lives. And you're just kind of taking that all away for these kids. And that's all, like, that's her whole perspective of it because she doesn't know any better because Johnny Depp won't talk to her. Yeah. Yeah, like, he really just needed to communicate better with her about, like, what was going on. Because he, like, also was just... <laughs> She, he wasn't like really letting her understand what he was doing with the family. And like, she's hearing all these rumors and he's not really dispelling them to her. And yeah, then it kind of leads her astray. But the movie's kind of like almost painting her as like, she's just a square who doesn't understand. Which is, which is garbage because I mean, she wasn't really given a chance, but I agree. That's exactly what the movie was doing. Um, that's probably the only thing in the movie that really rang, rang false to me. That like sometimes it's like being an adult sucks. You don't need to act like an adult. Act like <laughs> a kid, like J.M. Barry. And it's like even he has to act like an adult sometimes. Right. You know. <laughs> I think it was a little boring at times, which is uh what what got me. Like it's not a long movie, but like at points I'm like, all right, this is kind of slow. Uh, I hate the movie poster so much. Have, did you look at the movie poster? Yeah, it, <laughs> I hate it's it disgusting. So much. That's. I think that's why I was so afraid about about watching this movie because that was the only thing I had seen. <laughs> it's just an awful photo of Kate Winslet and Johnny Depp like split in half, so they're both on this cover. It's like who who greenlit this? Yeah, it's 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 like who who thought that this was like attractive to look at? Like that this was a poster that would get us to to watch it. <laughs> But I, I think overall, I gave it four out of five, so I think it belongs here. I, I uh, like I had a nice time. I don't know how well remembered it is, but uh, I think that's mm-hmm. fine. I think it's a, it's like Johnny Depp, like kind of before he went off the deep end in a lot of ways. I think yeah. in some of his decisions, uh, it's much better than the last time we talked about him, which took a lot. Yes, uh, agree. And. Yeah, like it's a movie I think I could show my kids someday and I, I wouldn't like I wouldn't be worried about like language or anything like that, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Like it almost feels like it's a movie for kids that are like the the little kids age. And that's not something that we've really seen in in these Oscar nominations and it was kind of a nice change of pace. Yes. Uh you know, and it feels it feels in line with like probably what J. M. Barry would have wanted his biography to be, <laughs> if I had to guess, knowing literally nothing else about him. Are you know he's not coming. To, he's not coming over with Jamie Fox later. No, no. <laughs> Sadly, we couldn't resurrect him from the dead, J. M. Barry. Uh, you got to work on that. Did this yeah. win any Oscars? It won one. It was nominated uh, 
in seven different categories. It won for best original score. I almost didn't know which category to highlight for this one because it's sort of a movie that does good all the way around, but it's not like, there's not like one piece of this movie where you're like, that needs a nomination. I need to see that win, you know? Do you think Kate Winslet should get a actress in a supporting role nomination? I don't know if this is like an easy yes or no, but like, that's really the only other one I feel like maybe. I don't know. Cause uh, the Academy seems to like when, when Winslet uh, is doing something crazy <laughs> for lack of a better term. And uh, I don't know, like she's good as the mom in this, but she's actually having a little bit more fun than usual, but mm-hmm. I don't know if it's like anything too groundbreaking, if that makes sense. Yeah, I don't know who I who I would take out. Well, I might have someone I'd take out, but uh, I think the one person I would possibly take out before we talk about the next movie is uh, Natalie Portman for Closer because I've never seen Closer. That's another mm-hmm. weird movie poster where they're all just kind of standing there. But uh, <laughs> I don't know anything about that movie. Closer. All I know about it is like whenever I click on Clive Owen's IMDb, that's like one of the first four that pops up, and it's like IMDb that can't be one of his four most famous movies because I've never heard of this before. Well, (laughs) Ooh, Natalie Portman plays a stripper. Huh? Oh, wait, it's directed by Mike Nichols. Nichols. Oh, movie club (laughs) movie. Yeah. Here we go. Next week coming up. (laughs) Kind of a stacked cast. Super stacked. Julia Roberts, dude. Class. Clive Oscar nominated Clive Owens. Clive you know, Owen, singular. <laughs> singular Clive. it's it just there's only one Clive. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> well, I think uh, I think we have done enough with this movie. I don't know. I um, yeah, I like this movie though. I would recommend it for anybody yes. with a with a stars subscription. <laughs> I'm gonna let you. I watched this on DVD. I found the DVD at a. At a store, I was like, I'll save a buck. Oh, I, I had to use my freaking free trial of stars for the aviator. I was pissed. Yeah, same. <laughs> <laughs> the, number three, though, uh, as, as we were alluding to, was Alexander Payne's tale of two immature men uh, going on a road trip uh, into wine country. It is sideways. I really enjoyed this movie. This was one of one that I'd seen before. Um, I'm a big fan of Alexander Payne, uh, particularly The Descendants and Mm. and Nebraska, which came after this. But uh, I really enjoyed this movie, too. Um, Thomas Hayden Church and Paul Giamatti are both turning in great performances. Uh, They're despicable. They're horrible people in the movie. But they're uh, doing a great job, Uh, particularly Thomas Hayden Church, who just like, I remember. So I read the script for this. Then I watched the movie. And then I rewatched it again. And I had forgotten the part about Paul Giamatti stealing the money from his wife. And my roommate was like, holy shit, what a horrible guy. And I'm like, and somehow I come out of this movie being like, the other guy is so much worse. Oh, yeah. He (laughs) stole the money from his mom when they went over to wish her happy birthday. Yeah. Like, you almost forget about that because his friend is just trying to, like, fuck everything that moves. (laughs) Um. It's so it's so cringy in the movie too. Um, I really liked all the detail about wine in the movie. I don't know if it like is right or not. I don't know if any of it's true, but I, I liked it with the movie. Um, 
and like watching Paul Giamatti sort of bounce between his wife uh, and the Virginia Madsen character was really interesting. And I liked the ending where she's leaving the voicemail and he's driving up to meet her. I thought that was a really great way to end it. Um, but yeah, it's just uh, a funny movie and I think it does a good job of satirizing sort of like pretentious douchebags. <laughs> uh, me being a horror movie fan, stared at Virginia Madsen for like 35 minutes before I looked up what I knew her from. She was in Candyman. She was very oh. good in Candyman. Candyman rocks. You should see that movie before the new one comes out. Uh, I like this movie a lot. Uh, I gave it a three and a half out of five. I think it was uh, like a fun movie to kind of be along for the ride on. But my two big issues with it were I really hated the score. Like I really oh. hated like it's not it felt like I was watching like a Three Stooges movie or something. Like I was just really tired of like the fun like do 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 score that I kept playing. And I thought they were going to be done with it at a certain point, but they just kind of kept it the whole time. That really bothered me. And I wish the women were in it more. Sandra O's character mm-hmm. was like super dynamic because she was this was like uh her like peak stardom when she was younger in Grey's Anatomy. And this is like kind of like a cool place for her to like take that notoriety. And I think she was like a like I think her performance was really, really fun. Uh a really bad wine pour, given she just like reused yeah. the same wine. I'm pretty sure they drank like a white wine. And then he dumped it out, and then she poured a red, and then he dumped it out again, and then she poured him, like, full glasses of wine. <laughs> yeah, it's shocking that he didn't call her out on it, too, because then later on when they're going to the date, he's like, I am not having a fucking Merlot! It's like, you're so picky about this. How come you're not calling her out about the glass? I also love, like, the male gaze aspect of this movie where the first woman that Thomas Hayden Church that we see him hit on is also just like really into the idea of just having a bunch of sex with Thomas Hayden church. Yeah. <laughs> this movie, like it definitely does like the male gaze stuff, but then by the end you realize that they're like making fun of him, Yeah, you know, those things until eventually like he gets the shit beat out of him and then gets caught and like almost loses the rings and things like that. Uh, definitely Sandro could have, could have stood to be in this more. Um, I think that's like a fair criticism of the movie too, is it's like so much about these two guys, um, maybe like too much so, but they're both interesting, horrible people. <laughs> yeah, I loved the movie, like when Thomas Hayden Church was in it, just because I always thought he was just bringing like a different like attitude to the movie. And Virginia Madsen had maybe five or six scenes, but the one of hers that I really liked was when it was just her and. Paul Giamatti like talking on like the porch. I thought that was a really nice scene and it was like a nice to see Paul Giamatti's character not being like a total anxious mess. Yeah. I think the music in that scene too actually does work where it's sort of like a smoother uh, jazz. It's supposed to sort of sound like, like they're playing it over the CD player or something. I like that. Um, Yeah. The, uh, they, they sort of pull like a trick that I know we talked about with the big sleep where they're talking about wine, but they're not really talking about wine, uh, which you always love to see in a movie. I, uh, I really loved watching Paul Giamatti drive the car with a, a crossword puzzle in hand. Yeah. I was like, how the fuck does he do that? He was on the 110. <laughs> I've driven the 110. You don't, you don't do a, a crossword <laughs> puzzle. <laughs> I was also glad to see they were uh, 
I took honors English in high school. Sorry, I, I didn't mean to throw that down your throat. Just a really smart guy here when it comes to English in high school. And, Guilty uh, as charged. <laughs> freshman year, we read the book that they were reading at the end of the movie about like the bone marrow, a separate piece. Yeah, that mo- that book. I did not like that book. Uh, no, that book's not very good. And I was like, they're reading this in eighth grade, but I guess uh, I read it in freshman year. So not that different. But uh, uh, like I had a nice time during this movie. I didn't think the pacing was good. It was just like, I didn't think it was doing anything like over the top special for me, but like, I don't think there's like, mm-hmm. I don't think, I don't have too many criticisms of this movie. I just didn't like the score for a long, a lot of portions of it. This movie doesn't really feel like it should be an Oscar movie, if that makes sense. No, it doesn't. But I think that's why it's cool that it got nominated. Agreed. That's why I love Alexander Payne too, is he does, has this way of making... Uh, not necessarily subtle movies, but not like baity movies. And he, they, most of the time he's saying something, but he's kind of just trying to be funny at the end of the day. And, and for some reason, the Academy just loves him, which is fine. Keep doing it. <laughs> I I really like Nebraska, but I saw Descendants, the Descendants, like, I don't know, probably like four or five, like three or four months ago. That movie is so good. George Clooney mm-hmm. is his perfect amount of like he's depressed. Phenomenal. Like, whenever he's, like, depressed, he's, like, perfect George Clooney. And I love – Shailene Woodley bothers me a lot, given I watched all the Studio Life of the American Teenager. Terrible show. Uh, but uh, she's good in it, too. She's good in everything. I wish she made more movies. Well, I say that. She makes movies. They're just, they're just video-on-demand movies I don't want to pay for. You, you, you wish she made more movies like, like The Descendants and less, like, Snowden. Uh, yeah, some something called Endings and Beginnings. It had uh, it had Sebastian Stan and the guy from uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. I, I didn't see it. Had to pay for it. I was like, nope. I don't know if I even said yeah. that right. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna pass on that. But I will take her in the Descendants at least. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get there eventually. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to get there. Yeah, I love that movie too. I'll probably watch that. Movie. Um, I can't wait to watch that one for those Oscars. But we'll stick to Sideways here. Sideways got five nominations. It won one uh, in the Best Adapted Screenplay uh, uh, category. Uh, Alexander Payne and his writing partner, Jim Taylor, wrote the script. Um, The other nominees were Before Sunset by Richard Linklater, Ethan Hawke, and Julie Delpy. Uh, And then Finding Neverland by David McGee. Million Dollar Baby by the director and writer of Crash, Paul Haggis. Um, and then The Motorcycle Diaries by Jose Rivera. This is another really good category. Lots of good work here. Uh, the three before, Sunset, Sunrise, whatever. Movie. I don't know the names. I'm sorry. Before Those movies are coming, yeah. to Netflix, uh, coming to Netflix, I think, next month. Definitely, definitely big recommend from me. There is not a ton that happens in them, but you just kind of get so drawn to the, the characters that it's amazing. <laughs> uh yeah i no I, I definitely want to seek those three out uh that'll be fun that'll be really fun but uh good for sideways mm-hmm. it's uh it's a well written movie for sure I almost wish before sunset uh won in this category because it has like one of my favorite endings to a movie in it it's just so i I don't want to describe it to like just give it away. But the, the writing is so good in that movie. And I do like the Ethan Hawke 
and Julie Delpy actually helped write it. But Sideways is uh, a great choice because there was no way the Academy was going to go with Before Sunset. <laughs> we'll move on to our number two here, though. Uh, you want to tell the folks what our number two is, Wolf? Our number two is the Oscar winner for this year, which I think was not a bad decision at all. Uh, Million Dollar Baby. Uh, this movie is, as 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 uh, our esteemed host has written here, a real gun, a, a real gut punch, which is a very good way to describe it, because they this movie creates like the most lovable woman in a movie like ever. She's impossible not to root for. Uh, She's got so much grit. Yeah. <laughs> She's like the nicest person ever. She just perv. She buys like her totally ungrateful family like a house, and she gets yelled at for buying her this house. She, uh, Hillary- Those are the worst people on this planet. Her, uh, her family in this movie. She's just giving me the money. I'm like a chicken off welfare. She's like, well, okay, fuck you then. Yeah. Don't move it. <laughs> Hillary Swank gets a great performance. Uh, I love this movie because even when you're not spending time with Hillary Swank. And you're just like seeing what's up at the gym with like Morgan Freeman, Anthony Mackie, Jay Burrishell, Michael Michael Payne before his yeah. before his good time in Crash, before he learns to not be racist in Crash. Uh, yeah. From the same direct writer. Uh, same writer. No. Oh. Um <laughs> But it, it's a really good movie full of great performances and it's long. Like it, it's admittedly like over two hours, but you're having like a nice time unorthodox sports movie to say the least yeah and definitely that's what probably why it got a nomination for for an an eventual win for best picture is like it is a sports movie you can go and just enjoy it for like watching the boxing but then all the stuff before and 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 after you know she's done with her career uh are really interesting. It's sort of doing a similar thing to to Sea Biscuit, except for the um, the beginning and the end. The like beginning and end little like tacked on parts are actually interesting. They actually inform what's going on, as opposed to just kind of shoehorning in like plants and payoffs. <laughs> I liked this a lot more than than Sea Biscuit, and I think one of the reasons why is I think it like. It felt like a movie for adults where, like, mm-hmm. you probably wouldn't take your kid to Million Dollar Baby. I feel like you'd rather have him watch, like, Rambo or something. Something with, like, killing and brutality would be better than watching your kid develop depression from watching Million Dollar Baby. Yeah, I'm, I'm, sure, my, I'm sure my parents took me and saw the SpongeBob SquarePants movie <laughs> in, instead, of, instead of this when this came out. I feel like this movie still has some legs. I, I, you know, it was on, it's been on Netflix for a while. Uh, I know my mom was like, I really want to see Million Dollar Baby. We, we ended, I ended up watching it by myself, obviously. But uh, <laughs> it's... I think it's a movie that while you watch it, you like hope nothing bad ever happens to Hillary Swank, but like it's a movie, and it won yeah. Best Picture, so something bad is probably going to happen to Hillary Swank. And uh, that was so sad when she fell on the stool. That was just such a freak accident. Yeah, it's really heartbreaking, and it's really well done. It's really well directed. That was a big takeaway of this for me was 
you know, Clint Eastwood, I think people, when, when he has a movie coming out, people kind of look at it a little bit dubiously, uh, especially after things like The Mule or like 1517 to Paris. Like he certainly has had his misses before, but, you know, back-to-back years, what having Mystic River and then this, uh, it's, it's good to just be like, oh, no, Clint is a, is a really good director. <laughs> yeah, and I really like... I like him like I like him in the movie too. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't have any statistics on this, but I feel like it must be more difficult for a director to direct themselves in a movie. And he, you know, he was fine. He, he was really, really good. Yeah. He's, um, I wonder if he was still to take Clint, even when it's just himself. <laughs> he's phenomenal in the movie. He, um, this, this like curmudgeon character sort of like became what he just does is like an old person now. But this is definitely one of the best versions of that character that he's done. He's so and old. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's just so old and mean in this movie. But it's perfect. <laughs> His rapport with uh, Morgan Freeman is really good, too. I loved both of them together in this movie. Remind, remind, I'm gonna, I have a point about that when we get to the Oscars part of this, uh, about that, to this movie. I also liked uh, Morgan Freeman and Hilary Swank. I thought they had nice rapport. And I, I just liked Morgan Freeman's character. I didn't really full, like, I liked how they weren't, like, what am I trying to say? They didn't, like, throw his story in your face. They kind of gave you parts of it throughout. So mm-hmm. you got to learn, like, Eastwood still helps him out and, and shit like that. I, I, I do love and Morgan Freeman, like, bare knuckles knocks out <laughs> Anthony Mackie and he just goes, 110. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Morgan Freeman's stuff with Danger is really great too. Yeah. Danger is a fun character in this that you know if you were if you were cutting this and down and you wanted to like really trim it up, you could probably cut that subplot, but that's a really good like thematic thing to keep in. I'm glad it's still in there. I do have a question for you. I know you're a big anti uh voiceover guy. Did you like Morgan Freeman's voiceover in this? I thought it was fine. I uh, I guess it didn't bother me as much. I didn't feel like I had things like explained to me, in like when it was like I could just watch it. I I don't know. It felt it felt different. Yeah, I thought it was a good use of the the voiceover too. It it definitely is not in it too much, you know. No, I've forgotten it was in it. <laughs> it's it's not like a. I love the voiceover in Goodfellas, but it's not like in Goodfellas when he's like getting arrested and it's like, these are the bad times. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I figured. <laughs> it's not like the voiceover in Kissing Booth 2, which I watched this Oof. week, where, where they don't think you have any any skills watching movies. Oof. Kissing Booth 2, not as good as Kissing Booth 1? No, Kissing Booth 1 at least understood what it was. It was like kind of fun. <laughs> it was terrible, but it was like, whatever, this is fine. I, I didn't hate myself. And Kissing Booth 2 is like, it's like an epic movie. It's two hours and 10 minutes, for God's sake. It was almost as long as freaking Million Dollar Baby. <laughs> Million Dollar Baby definitely makes uh, a lot more use of, of its time. And it was rewarded as such. It got seven nominations. It won four, um, including Best Picture, as we've mentioned before. And it netted Morgan Freeman, a Best Supporting Actor, over Thomas Hayden Church in Sideways, Alan Alda in The Aviator, which I love that he got nominated, but that's a little strange. Uh, And then Jamie Foxx for Collateral, big year for Jamie, two noms. Uh, And then Clive Owen, singular Clive, 
uh, in the close and closer. I got a lot of thoughts on this. Let's hear them. I watched Collateral in preparation for this uh, podcast, and I mm-hmm. fucking love Michael Mann. So I was like, that's yes. fine. I'll watch Collateral. If you're going to tie my hands behind my back, I'll watch it. Amazing movie. So uh, good. I kept waiting because I, I knew going into it, Jamie Foxx was nominated for Best Supporting Actor, which is why I watched Collateral. He's in every fucking scene. What? How is he? I kept waiting for him to die. <laughs> he, <laughs> he is the died. main character. Like, he is the main <laughs> character in Collateral. I don't, I don't understand. I, I also, I bet he was thrilled he didn't win. Because I bet he knew if he had won for Collateral, he wouldn't have won Best Actor. That's true. And they always do supporting actor at the beginning of the night, too. So he had to just be sitting there, like, scared shitless. Like, I hope I, yeah. didn't. I, hope I don't win. <laughs> when Morgan Freeman won... It was like an earthquake hit. Everybody was just up and cheering and going nuts. Him and Morgan, I mean, him and uh, uh, Clint Eastwood have a really awkward moment. Like, I think he, like, wants to hug him or something. Clint just, like, taps him on the arm. <laughs> Clint, Clint's and, stoic. And then it was dark-haired Renee Zellweger. Oh! In the award to Mor- Our girl. Renee! In the award to Morgan Freeman. They had a nice little hug up there. And it was just, like, a nice, a really nice moment. And then the other thing is uh, Hilary Swank is two for two on Oscars now winning for this as well for best actress in a leading role. That's a really weird group of actresses. I don't know if you looked at the whole list, but like uh, it's like Imelda Staunton who's famous for playing. Oh, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Uh, She's in uh, Harry Potter movies, right? What's her name? God damn. Um, Anyway, she's in it. And then this girl who I've never seen before ever for Mary full of grace. Uh, and then it really is just her. It really is ultimately Hillary Swank first Kate Wins versus Kate Winslet. Yeah, and Eternal Sunshine is like a little bit too weird for the Academy. There's, it's like this had to go to Hillary Swank for sure. Vera, Vera I got, Drake, I will say, I've heard good things about it. It's 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 a Mike Lee movie, hmm. um, who's a good director. But yeah, I don't feel like that was even going to win. Did, I was going to. You know, I was going to, like, feature the, the best actress category because I was like, Hillary, let's talk about Hillary Swank. She's great in this. And then I was like, I have not seen three of the five movies in this category, so. Uh, what, like, very quickly, answer this question quick because I, I don't want this to become a whole conversation because I feel like that's for a different time. Where, 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 what is Hillary Swank to you in, like, fame of actresses? Oh, as far as, like, like is she an a-list actress or like is, like, like is she like, super famous like where did like do you think of her as like a superstar because you look at actresses and actors and i feel like it's not so much how many like if you won one you won an oscar and i don't think it's how many oscars you win i think it's more based on nominations and Hil- hillary swank literally has two nominations two wins <laughs> like that's awesome but she doesn't have like that like longevity or, like, she hasn't shown that she can make, like, a ton of great movies every year, like people like Saoirse Ronan have. Or mm-hmm. I was kind of thinking, like, of, like, Emma Stone, where she's got a-, a ton of Oscar nominations already. And then there's Hilary Swank, who no one ever talks about. Yeah, she's almost... Um, so, first of all, I think Hilary Swank is a really great actress. I always like when she's in stuff. Um, it seems like she's almost... Uh, it seems like she's almost taking the... Uh, uh, jennifer lawrence route or something or took the jennifer lawrence route where it's like 
she immediately comes out and gets some Oscar love. And then it seems like from then on, she's trying to do the things that, that got her to the Oscars or she's just doing something wildly, completely different um, and not really like getting that same sort of success after just like a lot right up front. Yeah. We'll have to do a show on that sometime. Like talking about like, I don't know, actors and actresses and like who won these awards and what our thoughts on them are. Uh, love Hilary like, Swank in the hunt though. I was about to say like, she's in the hunt from, from last year, which she's like one of my favorite parts in that movie. But then like you think about the hunt compared to this movie or like she's in um, Logan Lucky mm. and, and her role in that is very different than like in this movie. And I'm like, this is, it's, I like Hilary Swank in these roles, but this is strange to see her in these roles. But, like, I think with her, I, I can't think of, like, a million bad movies she's made where I feel like a lot of these people, they win their Oscar and then they just make a ton of shitty movies. Like, like freaking uh, 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 who, who, Adrian Brody. Yeah. Like, he just made a bunch of random bad movies and he's never remotely reached the, the level that he has ever again. And it's like, what are you doing? Hillary Swank seems to, I'm, I'm just looking at her IMDb here. She seems to make a lot of movies that are not like the popular genres of movies anymore mm-hmm. after this, you know, like um, lots of uh, like a few biopics um, and, you know, just like sort of like adult dramas, uh, which just doesn't like exactly, that's just not exactly like what's famous or what, what gets butts and seats at theaters anymore. Agreed. Sadly. Well, I think we've, given our, our, our fair shot at a million dollar baby. Um, we'll move on to the film that uh, we are giving our best picture uh, win to. Uh, it is Martin Scorsese's uh, winding epic about the life of Howard Hughes um, in the uh, early 30s to the late 40s. Uh, it is called The Aviator. Um, I, so I'm a big fan of this movie. Uh, I, I was not shocked that this ended up at the top of my list. Um, I just really love Leo's performance in this. I love that it's not a cradle of the grave biopic. Like Howard Hughes just shows up and like, by God, there he is. You know, like the first scene is him like being ridiculous on the set of Hell's Angels. And it just never slows down from there. Um, and it's really amazing to see this like uber confident uh, Howard Hughes in the beginning and then how that all the way transitions to this like paranoid, just really sick individual at the end. Um, and there's a lot of fun appearances along the way. You've got like Kate Blanchett as Catherine Hepburn, who she's phenomenal. Uh, Jude Law as Errol Flynn, I loved. Uh, Alec Baldwin as the as the operating partner of of Pan Am is really dastardly. Uh, you got John C. Riley, Adam Scott is in there. Um, you've got Lewis Carruthers from from American Psycho. I can't ever remember the actor's real name, but he's great in this movie. Um, and then Alan Alda in there too uh, as the congressman. Uh, does this movie maybe a little bit too long? Yes, but uh, I love it all the same. <laughs> Where's the love for Kate Beckinsale? She's good in this too. <laughs> Probably the only movie I would say she's good in. <laughs> I don't mean to be mean, but <laughs> I uh, it, it was really nice to see. It was really nice to see all the actors and actresses you mentioned. Like they're all people that I like. And it was really nice to see Alec Baldwin 
whenever I see Alec Baldwin now, it's like, oh, there's Trump. There's Donald yeah. Trump. So it's yeah. really nice to see him doing something like he's a good I like I guess I feel like we're too like like we go we go back and watch movies, but I feel like we're too young still to like remember that he's like a really good actor. Mm-hmm. He just does a bunch, like he just is like funny now, but it was nice to see him like act. I think people our age probably forget that he was like a good dramatic actor. Or like yeah. that was what he was famous for at first. And it's, like, it's like 30 Rock. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 30 Rock, SNL. Um, a few good Alec Baldwin ones, though, here, because we have this, and then we got The Departed coming up, uh, which I love Alec Baldwin in The Departed. But he's, he's phenomenal in this movie, too. When he goes and he, he's talking to Howard Hughes through the, through the door of the like, screening room, and he like, is blowing the smoke mm-hmm. through the keyhole and things like that, oh, He's so he's so mean. It it gets me every time. You're not going to film school explain me about the coloration of the golf course. I can. I've been trying <laughs> not to. I can if you want me to. <laughs> uh, I uh, I actually really liked this movie, which rocked my world because I had always tried. I remember when I first got Netflix, like a million years ago. Now, I like started watching this, and then I just like got sidetracked an hour in, and I came back to it last summer and i was like and i like ah, i know what's going on i picked up where i left off and i was like i don't want to watch this freaking movie so i just it's been always been like this movie that i just have never seen and then finally i watched all of it and i watched this and ray in the same day while i was like working from home where i'm like still able to like pay great attention to the movies but like it's just like a little different of an experience and something I realized with the Aviator versus Ray is I could have had just an eight-hour version of the Aviator on all day. Like, like Scorsese's direction, like kept me interested. Leo was unbelievable, and like, like you mentioned, new star showing up, while Ray was just a little more of like a burden to have to have on my television. But uh, I, I think the Aviator is a really great movie. And uh, I wish it wasn't so long because I feel like it's not as rewatchable being mm-hmm. so long. And uh, the other thing I liked about this movie is no matter what, Howard Hughes was always on his game. Like he went from being a total disaster, like peeing in the bottles that were lined up perfectly. Gotta love OCD to <laughs> showing up in that. Like, I-, I can't think of what that was called when he was like sitting in the table and Alan Alda was talking to him. There's a word for that. The like hearing. It, yeah, like congressional hearing or something like that. I don't know if he was in Congress or not. but And he was like back to being like the Howard Hughes we saw like in the opening scene on Hell's Angels. It was, it, it was a really cool like journey that we got to be a part of. Yeah, exactly. Like com- having him come back. Because you really do. And I had seen the movie before, but I, I just forgot. Like I was like you know, is he really going to be able to come back and, and hold his own in this, in this court, you know, testimonial hearing? Like, he just is such a mess for, for a while there. And then he, he's, like, killing it in these hearings, but then you're seeing, like, little glimpses, like his knee bouncing up and down. Or, you know, like, when he leaves, he's just, like, always in, like, an emotional wreck. It's fascinating to watch. And DiCaprio's really good. As, as Howard Hughes, too. I love, just love the scene where 
the judge. No, from where uh, I can't think of what his name is, but he he was in Gilmore Girls, and he's like uh, one of the. You ever seen Intolerable Cruelty? I have, yeah. You know the guy <laughs> that dies in it at the very end of it. He was in this movie. He played the guy who like was mad about Leo having the movie where you could see the woman's breasts. Yeah. Um, oh, what's his name? I don't know his name. He recently passed. He passed away. Um, his so, his name so. in that movie is like it's like Rex. No. He's not Rex Rothstein, is he? I can't think. Of, I, I, I'm terrible with Edward that. Herman. Yeah. Playing Joseph Breen. In this but he movie. was in Aviator. And uh, he, I like that scene where Leo's like pointing at like the giant cutouts of the woman's, of the yeah. woman's uh, uh, cleavage. <laughs> so funny. It, it does. It's really funny, too, like before that, because because if you saw that scene alone, you're like, OK, maybe he's just being misunderstood. But then it's him being being like. No, I'm making this movie just so I can show off Jane Russell's breasts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like he's like, we need more cleavage out of Jane Russell. I've drawn up <laughs> schematics here, and he's like holding up like a diagram on. <laughs> on it just does like, such a good job of showing like, sort of what like an eccentric douchebag Howard Hughes <laughs> was. Um, but it's it's just fascinating to watch. I kind of want to read a biography about Howard Hughes now. Yeah, I wonder how uh, you know accurate it was. I've been going through and listening to like podcasts on Howard Hughes and it seems at least fairly accurate. It seems like they paint his relationship with Catherine Hepburn a little bit more romantically than it was in real life. But I actually like that in this movie, especially because Blanchett has such good chemistry with Leo. Uh, $4 million in 1930, which is how much he spent on Hell's Angels, is about... A little over $61 million Whew. right now. That is a lot of money for a movie. Holy crap. Yeah. And and all out of his own pocket, too. Uh, you know, if this was Ray, we would have had to see some, like, intense scenes from his childhood to understand why he's so rich. But instead, we just see him taking a bath. Yeah, like, his his mom apparently was a a, at the very least, like, a hypochondriac, if not, like, OCD- and, and like a germaphobe, but like, yeah, if this was Ray, you definitely would have seen like a lot of scenes of like his mom, like scrubbing him really hard <laughs> and things like that. But it just does like a good job of just kind of planting it, you know, like it just shows it, it goes to that close up of him with the soap or his mom with the soap. And then you see later when he's really starting to lose it, he's, he's like walking around with that soap on him and these, that's the only soap he'll use. And he's mm-hmm. like really lathering until he's like cutting himself. Uh, yep. Like the movie just does such a good job of doing those biopic things where you, there's there's clearly a story there. It's clearly like something that the person actually did, but they're not like taking so long to explain these things that it doesn't like make sense in the movie. There's the scene where Leo calls uh, John C. Riley to have him get some soups at like three <laughs> o'clock in the morning, and. John C. Riley like makes a comment to his wife where he's like, he's just gonna keep calling me. And I couldn't stop thinking about Ferris Bueller when Ferris just keeps calling Cameron and Cameron's like, he's just gonna keep calling me, he's just gonna keep calling me and trying to intimidate me. And it's the same energy, isn't it? Yeah. He'll just keep calling and calling and ca- I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Stop. I love I love that movie. God damn. No! <laughs> 
Also, some of Howard Hughes's quotes in this, you and I were laughing about this. Uh, I want 10 chocolate chip cookies, medium chips, none too close to the outside. Ah, <laughs> uh, I could use that, though. Uh, I like how he always has to have the bottled chocolate milk. Yeah. I'm going to pick up the milk with my right hand, take the cap off with my left. <laughs> or also him, him running his hands along the plane. Um, yes. And like, it's like, I want flush rivets. I need flush rivets. I want this sucker to be slippery. <laughs> I just like how he, uh, um, he was just like, can we just buy the airline? Like, it's yeah. <laughs> 15, or, 15 million. That is kind of a lot. The, the, the scene where, uh, the Alec Baldwin is listening to the like newscast where, uh, he's like been flying around the world in five days. And then his like crony comes in and is like, by the way, Howard Hughes has just bought uh, another airline or has just bought TWA. And, and, um, and, and uh, Alec Baldwin is just like, I thought he was flying around the world. And they're like, <laughs> he did it from the air. Oh yeah. That was hilarious. <laughs> I love it. I, I, I really like this movie and I'm really glad I did. I, I was skeptical and um, Scorsese has, a nice track record in these podcasts so far. Yes. We're, we're, we've gotten some good Scorsese ones. Definitely some like of Scorsese's more Oscar-y movies. But um, I, I, I enjoy all of these movies nonetheless. And this one. I, so here's what I want to ask. Um, how, how do you feel this compares to Gangs of New York? Do you like it better? Like it worse? I think it's a better movie, but I think I had more fun watching Kings of New York. Oh, okay. It it doesn't I think is Gangs of New York a little bit shorter? Uh like like ten minutes. Um which performance do you like better? Leo or Daniel Day Lewis? Oh man, that's tough. Probably Daniel Day Lewis, but I will say the Leo performance in this one goes like a lot longer of a way. Because uh, he's just in the movie the whole time, um, but Daniel Day Lewis is is like throwing five thousand uh, in Gangs of New York. I, I love uh, I love Le- I think you can really see Leo's growth as an actor from uh, from Gangs <laughs> from Gangs to The Aviator. Yeah, he he gets so much better. Um, in between these, is it two or three years? Like, it just seems like he's just taking it a lot more seriously. Yeah, I agree. And uh, uh, yeah, I, I told, I'm, to- I'm, to- I'm totally with you. Uh, it, we could jump real quick to we could we could end this Oscars talk with the fact that Kate Blanchett won Best Actress in a Supporting Role, and what's the point of nominating any other women? when uh, the Academy <laughs> gave four Oscars to Catherine Hepburn, of course, they're going to give an Oscar to someone portraying her so well. Yeah, exactly. The, the Academy loves to just like continue to give love to itself, yep. you know? So having her nominated uh, and, and eventually giving her like a win for this is like just a shoe in. It makes sense though. She, Cause she's great in the movie. I agree. Uh, Laura Linney, I've never seen Kinsey, but I love Laura Linney. Virginia Madsen, I don't know. She was good. She's, she's not she's, in it enough. No. Well, Marshall Ali was also barely in Moonlight. He was great. 
it's That's just not a, it's not impactful enough. I'll say that much. Yeah, I uh, agree. It's been too long for Hotel Rwanda. I don't, and then I've never seen closer. But good for Natalie Portman getting her ass out of the hell that was the Star Wars prequels and getting an Oscar nomination. Yeah, yeah. At least uh, at least Natalie was having her fun. I'm sure working with Mike Nichols was cool. <laughs> so are you going to tell us all about what else came out in 2004? Yeah, so this was actually, I think, a shockingly fun year uh, for movies. Um, so we have we have the the movie Miracle uh, about the 1980 uh, U.S. hockey team, which is a, a fantastic sports movie uh, by Gavin O'Connor. We have The Passion of the Christ, which I have not seen, um, and I will not be seeing, um, but it's Mel Gibson's Bible epic. Uh, we have Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which is a really good movie. I know you watched that over over this past week. Yep, that's a great movie. I had a, I had a great time. That was one of Mark Ruffalo's three, three solid performances from 04, between that yeah. and Collateral and 13 going on 30. And you get some Elijah Wood in there. Tom Wilkinson. Yes. Oh. Great, great and, cast. And Kiki. I, anytime we see Kiki Dunst, I'm pumped. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Jim Carrey. I always love a good oh. Jim Carrey performance, too. Yeah, that's a great movie. Um, we have we have Scooby-Doo 2, Monsters Unleashed, which is not a good movie. Uh, I, I don't know why it's stuck in my mind, but there it was on the Wikipedia, and I was like, hmm. I can't not mention it. We have Ella Enchanted, starring, um, uh, starring Anne Hathaway, directed by one of my teachers, Tommy O'Haver. Oh, wow. Shout out to Tommy. That's awesome. Tommy's a really fun guy. <laughs> I, every time I see Ellen Enchanted mentioned anywhere, I just get so excited. I'm like, Tommy! <laughs> uh, we had Shaun of the Dead by Edgar Wright, Kill Bill Volume 2, Mean Girls, uh, iconic, iconic movie. Uh, we have Coffee and Cigarettes by Jim Jarmusch, which is a movie I really like. It's just a bunch of vignettes of people um, drinking coffee and smoking cigarettes, but it's really fun. I always joke that my dreams are kind of like one of the vignettes in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's members of the Wu-Tang Clan, and they're at a coffee shop, and Bill Murray is their, is their waiter. And Bill Murray keeps walking up, and they're like, you're Bill Murray. And he's like, no, no, I'm not. And they're like, no, no, you're Bill Murray. And he's like, okay, I am. I'm hiding. <laughs> Let me lay low. That's it's funny. so funny. <laughs> it's so good. I definitely recommend it. <laughs> Uh, we have Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban uh, came out this year as well. Dodgeball with Vince Vaughn and Ben Stiller. The Notebook, another classic rom-com. Uh, Spider-Man 2 with Tobey Maguire, my boy. Um, and, and your girl, Kiki Dunst. And, and the iconic Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head montage. Um, just one for the ages in that movie. <laughs> I've not seen like any of these movies. I'm realizing. <laughs> so a lot of these ones I'm mentioning are fun. Like, definitely go back and watch watch some of them. Like, uh, I saw Dodgeball uh, recently. Dodgeball's fun. Dodgeball's that was kind the, of fun. Vince Vaughn. I hate Vince Vaughn, but uh, yeah, the, Vince Vaughn's not my favorite. But um, Dodgeball, I will say, that was the movie. I have like a special place for that movie because that was definitely the movie where like. You know how everybody has that like first R-rated comedy that their parents aren't sure if they should show them, mm-hmm. and then they do. That was that for me. 
Um, we also have Before Sunset, uh, which is, a, I've talked about this a little bit at, uh, earlier. It's a great movie. Um, Anchorman, which has gone on to be like a frat dude's favorite movie, but is genuinely just really funny. Um, second movie in the Bourne, uh, Bourne trilogy, The Bourne Supremacy, uh, Garden State, Zach Braff's movie, She Hate Me from Spike Lee, The Village. You like The Village. Oh, I love The Village. One of my favorite movies. Uh, we have Collateral, just another banger. Great movie. <laughs> Great movie. Um, I Heart Huckabees with Mackie Mack. We'll be talking about more here later on in the show. Um, Shark Tale with oh. Martin Scorsese appearing as a voice actor. I love Shark Tale. The movie rocks. <laughs> it's been forever since I've seen Shark Tale. Oh, I'll never <laughs> see it again, but I love it. <laughs> I love any and all memes about Shark Tale as well. Uh, we have Friday Night Lights, uh, which the movie is better than the show. Don't at me. I like the show so much more than the movie. I just, I I just can't agree. I just don't I agree. Which one did you see first? Oh, it's the movie. It's literally whichever one you saw first, because then you just, <laughs> then you're just like, that's my coach Taylor, and then you can't like the other one. <laughs> uh, Kyle Chandler might be the better coach Taylor, but like the story being more um, succinct, I, I like a lot better in the movie. Like just you're just spending one season with the Permian Panthers. I don't, um, like, I don't know. That's that's a movie versus TV argument right there, which I like movies more, but uh, that's one of my favorite shows, actually. I got to go back and rewatch the show, I guess. I've only seen the first season, so. It, it's, a, um, it's in every other show. Season two is kind of bad. <laughs> <laughs> from there, we had Team America World Police from the creators of South Park, which is really fucking funny. Uh, it's on Netflix every once in a while. Um, we have Vera Drake, which we mentioned was directed by Mike Lee. Uh, we have Birth by Jonathan Glazer, who directed um, Under the Skin most recently. Saw. We have Saw here. Very good movie. <laughs> You've seen the whole franchise, right? I've seen the first three. They've, they've seemed to have fallen off a cliff with the third one. Because two... Two is good. Like, two... The first hour of two, you're like, oh, man, this is not good. And then the last, like, 45 minutes of two, you're like, holy shit, this is a good movie. Like, here we go. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, I got to have, I gotta go through and watch those ones, too. I, both, I both think I've only seen the first one. You've seen enough. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> After that, we have the, the Incredibles from Pixar. We have the second Bridget Jones movie, Bridget Renee. Jones, The Ed Reason. More Ever. Renee. Hell, yeah. Uh, National Treasure, oh, we're going to steal the Declaration of Independence. Naturally. As I mentioned earlier, the SpongeBob SquarePants movie, uh, another childhood classic. Ocean's 12 also came out this year. The most frustrating movie in the world for children, Lemony Snicket's series of unfortunate events. Uh, the, I read the books and I watched this movie and it just used to piss me off as a kid, like relentlessly. <laughs> And then we have Hotel Rwanda and and then Wes Anderson's The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. Good movie. Good movie right there. That is a, you know, for what I've seen from this year, I like most everything. Um, famously, I've never seen Anchorman, but I've seen Anchorman 2. Anchorman 2 is fun as well. People were a little more tepid on that one, but I think it's a worthy sequel. I had a nice time. 
Anchorman 1, I definitely recommend, though. This was a fun year in movies, though. Just sort of a lot of, you know, good times at the movies. Yes. However, though, um, if you were going to draft your up to 10 Best Picture nominees, what would they be from this year? I would have done Aviator, Million Dollar Baby, Finding Neverland. And then I probably would have come down to our other significant movie section and grabbed The Village, <laughs> Collateral, Throw Saw in there, uh, and Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. And probably, I like it. I don't think I would, I don't think it's like an Oscar movie, but I do love Kill Bill Volume 2. And you know what? Throw Sideways in there. I, I like that it got nominated. Yeah, I think Sideways is a fun nomination. I would. Uh, I think mine would be pretty similar. I would definitely keep um, The Aviator, Million Dollar Baby, and Sideways. Um, Eternal Sunshine definitely is is in there. Um, I don't know. Maybe it was just too weird for the Academy. I don't know. But uh, I think it definitely deserves a nomination. Uh, I would love to see Before Sunset get a nomination as well, uh, especially since it got a screenplay nod. Um, yeah. A lot of my other picks that I would nominate here, I think are not too Oscar-y, but like, you know, like maybe I would like Steve Zissou to get a nom, even though um, it doesn't like feel very Oscar-y or, you know, um, like collateral, not super Oscar-y, but I would love if that got a nomination. Nah, dude, it's Oscar-y, it's a one. <laughs> it definitely like... It's definitely like the, the biggest like banger from this year. Just, definitely, just definitely. Front to back, just amazing thrill ride. Um, yeah, those are the only real like, and, and then you know what? I think Finding Neverland is a good a good nomination too. Cool. I wouldn't mind that in there as well. That's a good those list are, right there. Yeah, I think I think there's just this seemed like it was a good year at the movies. Just a, yes. a fun time. I agree. Uh, that's all you can really ask for. Well, we're going to have, uh, I think that wraps it up for 2004 year in movies, uh, 2005 Oscar ceremony. Um, we're going to be having a good time at home watching um, next week. We'll be doing another movie club here. Um, it'll be the 1960 film, The Apartment. Uh, you excited to watch The Apartment, Wolf? I just learned it won Best Picture in 61 which is uh, or 60 or 61, probably 61, given it came out in 60. But uh, that's kind of cool. And uh, I'm really excited. I think the plot's cool. I think it'll be fun. Yeah, I'm excited too. Billy Wilder's a good director as well. Um, he directed Some Like It Hot, which I know you and I are both fans of as well. Yep. So I'm excited to see this. Uh, but we'll be coming at it with you with that to you next week. And then the week after that, we will be back to our regularly scheduled Oscar programming. Oh, yeah. The year 2006 in movies, or the 2006 Oscar ceremony, year 2005 in movies. Yep. You excited for those Oscars? I am. I might even watch the David Cronenberg crash on accident. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if that's better. Uh, can't be much worse. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I uh, Two weeks from now, the, the world's about to get just an absolute diatribe from me on Crash. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll save it for then. 
Um, thank you so much, everybody, for joining us. Uh, have a good week. Watch The Apartment if you can. Um, Bye, everybody. And take it easy. Bye. Bye.